0: I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house anything boxy <laughs> so what what you're saying is you're are uh, you are claustrophobic uh yes yes that's it <laughs> all right well uh, let's go Catherine I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now I, I want you to listen to them very very carefully then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can uh, remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're here, here, there. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes! S T O P, new word so what are you saying (laughs) you you know it's funny I I, I say two simple words and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying I mean this you know this is not Yiddish Catherine this is English (laughs) stop it so I should just stop it there you go I mean you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box do you I mean that Sounds so frightening. Yes. <laughs> then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no,
1: no, no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> Um, that was Bob Newhart, for some of you who don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> some, some don't. Um, but uh, that was a, it's a famous clip. Uh, it's about six minutes long, but that's a two-minute spot. Um, she talks about all kinds of fears and um, talks about different issues, and he continues to give her the same advice, which is stop it. So that helps me open up our new series called Mastermind. Um, our new series that... Um, The Lord's really put on my heart is for us to talk about what it would take for us to change our thinking and change our life. Um, There are going to be parts of this series that sound a little self-helpy, but you need help. (laughs) Somebody say amen, please. All right. I need help, too. Um, What I want to say at the start, though, before I go too far into the message is I think a, a significant statement needs to be made for all believers who hear a message in this series or hear this series. And that is, as, as much as we laugh through that clip, there is a real issue that is pervasive today in the world, and it's mental illness. The mental illness, depression, uh, all those things are things that can be dealt with with the use of doctors the use of medication the use of god the use of books the use of prayer you have a multi-level approach to what you need so i want to give you it's my job because i'm not a psychologist i'm not a neurologist i'm not a i'm not a psychiatrist i'm none of those things but i can help you with the theological side of seeing what God's word says about what you should be doing with the mind that God gave you. So I want to say at the start, we have compassion. We pray for individuals who struggle with depression, who struggle with issues like that. We don't put any guilt on those people. We do believe, though, that the truth sets us free and that freedom is available. And freedom also, most often, when it comes to the mind, is a process. We say all of the time, That God is not a magician, but he is a miracle worker. So sometimes the process takes longer than we want, right? Anybody ever been there? You've been in a process that took longer than you wanted it to? And this is what we're going to be dealing with over the next couple weeks. I really want to encourage you to just think about what you think about. I know that sounds kind of odd, to put it out there like that. But this whole series, the whole point is for us to think about our thought life and then adapt our thought life according to the word of God so that we are thinking biblical truth. So the first thought that I want to give you this morning is that God created you and your mind. In Psalm 139, there's an important passage of scripture. It's a psalm that's written by King David. And regardless of what today's culture might say, that it's not really a human until it comes out of the womb, right? Or it isn't really a baby. Scripture declares that we have a magnificent, intelligent, intimate creator, And there's proof of this all throughout, but this is a a really great passage to start us off. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Verse 15 says, my frame was not hidden from you. He's speaking to God when I was being made in secret and intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, just this phrase has so much power. God's eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. And jumping back to verse 2 and 3, it says this, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. It didn't say that he gives us our thoughts and he already knows them. It says that he knows the thoughts that we think, even from afar. It doesn't matter in another psalm. He says, whether I go to the highest mountain or down to the lowest valley, wherever I go, you are with me. And so he discerns our thoughts. And verse three, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. I have the wrong version myself, okay? You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. So he knows it altogether. So the question is this then why does this really matter? Why does our thought life really matter? Because it's the center of who we are. How many of you have ever had a bad thought and you acted on it? A hundred percent of us. How many of you have ever had victory though? You had a bad thought and you kept your mouth shut and you didn't say what you were going to say, right? Boy, wasn't it hard? That tension was so real. It is real for me. But our lives are a reflection of the thoughts that we think. That's right. That's the truth. Our lives are a reflection of the thoughts that we think. And our life is always going to be moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if you want to change your life, you've got to change the way that you think. So let me ask you this. How many of you would say, I'm a worrier. I'll be honest. I'm a worrier. Okay, good handful. How many of you say, nope, don't have a care in the world? (laughs) Anybody? A couple of you? Okay, that's good. So the question is, do you have worried thoughts Or peaceful thoughts? Do you have worry in your life? Or do you have peace? Are you worried about what people think about you? Or your children? I know I get worried sometimes. About what they think about my children. (laughs) Are you worried about your future? About money? About a job? About your health? Or do you have peaceful thoughts? Are you convinced that God is in control? Regardless of what you're seeing. Because remember. Faith takes on our, we need to take faith on in our life in order to see what is not really there yet, that God will provide, even though I'm struggling, that God will give me a better job, that God will help me with my children, that God will help me find a spouse, whatever it is, we've got to have faith and belief that he is going to do that. The truth is he wants to be near to you. And here's the kicker. He wants you to want to be near to him. And so often our thought life is the thing that guides literally. It guides everything in our life. And our thought life is really the origin of the problem. In a lot of circumstances, it's the origin. It's the, it's the battleground. This message series started developing a couple months back. Um, I had reread a, a copy of a book, which I encourage you to get, uh, not everything in there. I mean, unless it's the Bible, we don't agree with everything. There's going to be some small pieces here and there, but it's called battlefield of the mind. It's about 20, 20 years old is written by Joyce Meyer. Um, and it has some amazing truth in it. I shared this with a friend who was going through some hard things mentally. And I said, Hey, I really think that you should get this book because I really think it will help you think right. And I started to say, you know what? I think our church needs messages like this to help us all be thinking right. So let's talk about this. Do you have a positive mindset or a negative mindset? So think, think that through for just a moment. Which one are you? Are you generally negative and critical about people? Can you believe she wore that? <clears throat> Who does he think he is? Thoughts, thoughts like that. I can't believe they walked in here acting like that. Not talking about your own kids. <laughs> I saw this, that look from Crystal. Do you find fault easily? Is it easy to lay blame? Are you discontent? Here's a big deal. I think the, one of the major problems that we as Christians face is we are too much like the world and not enough like the word. Of God. So if I read in scripture that I'm supposed to be content and that Paul says, be content in every situation that I'm supposed to even rejoice and, and be thankful and give God praise, even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of pain, that he is working all things for my good. Does that come into my mind and out my mouth or am I living in a place of discontentedness? Do you feel like life is always hard? (laughs) It's going to get worse. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Are you negative in your mind or do you see the positive? Are you looking for the best in people? Do you have that attitude that life is generally good? You know, that I believe in the goodness of God. Um, My wife and I, we've gone through different seasons of our life and different times where there were struggles. And people have said, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm still believing. I'm still working through it. I'm still trusting in the same God that saved me then that he will save me now. Amen. And that, that salvation that I'm talking about and referencing can be situational in the future after my eternal salvation has been secured with him. So now I trust him to help me and save me in the moments of my life that I face. How about this? How about the struggle between being worldly or thinking eternal thoughts? Are we consumed about the things that we, you know, I minister and talk with and hang out with and spend time with and I teach teenagers? They are always on the top, on the cutting edge of everything that's new and coming out. They want to buy it, they want to save for it, they want to get it. You were like that one day not long ago. And maybe some of us still struggle with that same thought. Some some, some of those things that are materialistic. So would you say that you're more worldly, thinking about the things of this world and what benefits you and what you can get and what possessions you have? And teenagers, I'm not hating on you. It's okay that you like things and want to buy things. But do we have our mind set on the right thing? because it's so easy. It's so easy. I was spending time with a friend of mine who happens to be a pastor and we were talking about the new house that he lives in and he was comparing the other houses around him. And it's so easy to talk about material things and to start. And all of a sudden it just kind of gets in there. And then we keep going back to that same thought pattern. So we really do need to think about what we think about. Are we thinking eternal thoughts or thoughts that have to do with God's kingdom? How can I be a blessing to others? How can I share God's love with them? How can I not be selfish but be selfless? Are we thinking those kinds of thoughts that are birthed out of the truth of scripture? What comes into your mind will come out in your life. It's the truth and it's proved over and over and over again. I was listening to a tragic story my brother-in-law told me the other day about a friend of his that went to college, Bible college with him, who uh, divorced his wife. She was pregnant. They had already had twins. She was 10 weeks, had a 10-week-old baby, so three kids in the house, and there was n- no major issues that they could tell. There was some distance, but just walked in and said, that's it, I'm done, I'm out, and left and didn't come back. And had gone to Bible college, had stood and lifted his hands in church, had done all of those things. But something unsettling was going on in his mind. He was discontent in his relationship, most likely addicted to pornography. He was he was following and chasing things that he shouldn't and decided at some point she wasn't enough. I'm going to go find the one that I really want. So what comes into your mind really does come out in your life. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, no matter what you know, no matter what you buy, no matter where you live, no matter where you travel, you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. You can't. And you have the power to change that. I love how in the video, the short little video, she starts to try to bring up childhood. But you don't understand. It's been like this since childhood. And she's probably going to go into a story about how her brother locked her in a closet as a joke or something. And that fear started then. And he's, oh, we don't do that here. No, no. Just take my advice right now. Stop it. Here's here's what I want to say to you. God wants to give you the power to stop it. Even if you've struggled with depression, even if you've struggled with a negative, uh, mindset, a critical mindset, God wants to set you free and help you. And you've got to believe that in order to receive it. Amen. You really do. You have to understand that that's God's desire for you. But your thoughts matter and God has a desire for your mind. He really does. He wants you to think about him and the things he wants you to think about. But in order to do either of those, you must read his word. One of the underlying truths that I'm communicating to you when I say God is not a magician, but he is a miracle worker, is the fact that you are involved in a partnership with him. Amen? So it takes our doing Our work with his grace and his guidance in our life that helps us, but he has a desire in our lives, uh, for our minds. Um, this right before spring break, I gave my kids, I was kind of feeling lazy. Uh, if you've ever felt lazy at work, raise your hand, please. A hundred percent. Great. Um, I was feeling a little bit lazy, and I do have some parents of students in here. But I was feeling lazy as a teacher, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to get these kids to really learn anything this week before spring break. They're already in their brains thinking about where they're going to go, what they're going to do. They've got baseball games, all this other stuff going on. So I said, you know what? I'm going to give them an easy A. I will give them the opportunity, nine days, I will give them the opportunity to just read four chapters of the Bible. They could read four chapters, not four chapters a day, just four chapters over the course of nine days, and they could tell me, and I told them, download the Bible app, show me that they've read it, talk to me about what they read or what it meant, and you would not believe how many chose not to do it. Not just the A students who were like, I don't need the A, it's no big deal. There were tons of them who were, and they were honest, or at least most of them were. There was a level of honesty. How about that? When I said, Hey, who has done the work? And a bunch of hands didn't go up, and I said, Wait, are you kidding me? You didn't read four chapters of the Bible for an A? No, I just didn't have time. I didn't. didn't. We laugh about it and we nod our heads no right now. But you and I have a challenge. Because we've skipped most likely days this week ourselves in reading the Bible. The question is, what are we filling our mind with? Are we really actually practically, are we putting God's word inside of our mind? Because if we love him, we'll read his words to us and for us. Amen? When we do that, then we'll know what he says about peace and about worry, about fear, anxiety, about money, about marriage, about all of this stuff, we'll know what his desire is for our friendships, for our compassion, for our free will, all of those things. So we've got to do something. We've got to set our mind on things above. I want to read to you Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read a large portion of scripture today because I feel like it's important if we're talking about the significance of getting his word into us. And we always remind you, keep doing so. If you skip a day, read it tomorrow. Amen? Don't just give up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In another place in scripture, it tells us, Paul actually writes to the church and says, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus That's hard because you're sitting in a church today on a chair. You're not sitting in heaven next to the throne of God. But Paul is trying to communicate to them. They've got to get this in their head that they are to set their mind on things above. And here's the good news, the good and the bad news. This hasn't changed. This still applies to us today because we still set our minds on things that are here on this earth. Jump down to verse 5 in Colossians 3. It says this, So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. I want you to just think about that first phrase. How do you put something to death? You kill it. Right? You starve it out. You suffocate it. You don't allow it to live any longer. He says, The earthly things inside of you. And then he lists them out. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, like wanting what's not yours, which is idolatry. Verse six says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse seven, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Listen to what he lists there. Anger, wrath malice that would be intentionally hurting someone slander saying stuff about someone when they're not present not to their face in order to defraud or to to, to bring down their reputation to slander them and obscene talk from your mouth he says here verse 9 do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Notice there, it's a process. Again, it is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's a powerful portion of scripture in Genesis, and it says this in the creation story. It says of male and female, he created them in his what? In his image. And here Paul is now telling the Colossian church, the believers there in verse 10, he says, so put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Because something happened to the image bearers. They took on a disease. They took on death. Sin came into the world through Adam and Eve's doing, and it exists now. In order to get rid of that and to find the cure, we've got to be renewed in the knowledge of the one whose image that we truly do bear. We've got to get cleaned up and cleaned off. And this is not only, hear me well, this is not only the work of God. It is the work of God in you, in partnership with him. I've struggled with this for all my life. I tried a couple things. just doesn't work. I'm just going to keep. It's your partnership with God that will help you put away those things. Like anger, malice, all those things that are listed. Listen to what it says in verse 12 of Colossians 3. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Is that hard for anybody else in here? No? Okay, it's just me. All right. Kindness. Is that hard for anybody else in here? Humility. Is that hard for anybody else in here? Meekness. Patience. He says you've got to... So you you need to see this image that he's giving them because we're going to read about the armor of God in a minute. All of this requires an act of your will. You have got to take off... Anger, malice, bad thoughts, slander, all of that stuff. And you've got to put on these other clothes that include a compassionate heart and kindness and humility. And guess what? You don't really burn those clothes. The old clothes still lie around your bedroom floor. And whenever your mind wanders, you put those things on and you cover up the goodness of God in humanity what he's done to redeem your soul, you cover it up by putting those things back on. So we've got, there's a war that's going on. There's a, a, a tug of war, contention that is always there that we must win and you can win when you're asking him for his help and doing what you can in your power. He says in verse 13, bear with one another. Anybody else have a problem with doing that every once in a while? Okay, got a couple honest people here. The rest of you, you'll come along. Forgiving each other. Anybody ever had a hard time forgiving someone? Okay, this is an interactive message today. I'm not doing it to make you feel bad. I'm raising my hand in all of these scenarios. I find that same struggle myself. This is not a holier than thou. I've got this down. I'm gonna show you the tricks of how to become a millionaire because I'm a millionaire. No, I'm telling you, I'm reminding you what God's word has said from the beginning. When we screwed it all up, he has said there is this issue that's going to constantly be a contention and you have got to put on these new things You've got to make that choice on a daily basis. It says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. I want to stop there for a second and remind you of something that Jesus said. Jesus' words in Matthew, when he's talking about forgiveness, he says that you are to forgive others as you have been forgiven. If you don't, my Father in heaven will not forgive you you mean to tell me if I hold a grudge and I die and I've held grudge for years over something, whatever, it could be a big deal. It can be a small deal. You can talk to probably someone in your family, or you might even be thinking of a situation right now of somebody who, allow, oh, we just don't talk to them anymore because, you know, 20 years ago, they blah, blah, blah. Well, they keep that grudge for so long and then they're not pleasing God in their thought life and it starts to affect the way they treat their coworkers. You say, how can that affect the way you treat your coworkers? Because it's stuck in your mind and it filter, you filter everything through that lens. My wife and I, we struggled for a short time in Hawaii before leaving there. We struggled with the opportunity, it was a big opportunity, to be bitter. And I've shared that story with you before. We, we find it in movies. And if you're looking for it, you can find it. The root of bitterness is there in almost every climax of a movie. It's because they have, they've went their separate ways because they were mad about something or they had distance in their relationship. And th- this is why the evil guy has come to kill the whole city is because somebody made fun of him when he was a kid and he's turned into the, The root of bitterness is there and it causes them to live a life like that. You say, well, that's weird. Try it out with the next movie you watch and see if you notice that too. But we, we started noticing that and not just in a playful way, but in a Lord, please forgive me and help me to forgive them. Don't let me hold this in my heart forever. And Lord, I promise every time I think of them, Lord, forgive me again for the thoughts that I've thought towards them. Lord, bless them, encourage them, cause them to grow in their faith in Christ Jesus. Those are the prayers I pray today. The prayers I first prayed were, we lived in Hawaii where there were cliff sides. Uh, never mind. I'm just gonna go on. Anyway, you've been there, but forgive. Okay, enough. There is, somebody needed that today. You need to forgive before you walk out of here. I'm telling you that by the spirit of God. You need to forgive someone in your life. There's someone here today that needs to forgive. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Amen. Amen. Verse 14 says this. And above all, put these on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. (laughs) We tell our kids all the time. God killed the Israelites for being ungrateful. Don't be ungrateful. (laughs) Um, Well, I do. Amy doesn't hear when I do that. But anyway, you know, the earth opened up and swallowed them because they were grumbling and complaining. Remind your teenagers of that when they complain about something. Teenagers, be warned. Verse 16, it says this. Let the word of Christ, listen to how he puts this together. He said, take this stuff off of you. Put this other stuff on you. And then he says, let this be inside of you. The word of Christ in you dwelling richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs and with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in verse 17, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. I can't emphasize this enough. Dogs bark. Babies cry. And Christians, read the word of God. If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit today because you say, Pastor, I'm not really good at it. Get good at it. I'm going to take Bob Newhart's position. Start it. Okay? I'm confused by it. Then study it. Then reach out to someone who has an answer. Please don't trust Google because Google is a wild place. Okay. You're going to get a a lot of weird stuff, but get a study Bible. Send an email to your pastor. He will help you. I actually, (laughs) I sent a text message to a friend because this next week I'm teaching on Ruth with my students. And I asked him this question because I couldn't find the answer to it. And he said, well, here are my thoughts and this is the resource. That's the kind of, if you don't understand what it's talking about, find out. Don't just give up. Christians read. So set an appointment with God this week. Read it, study it, repeat it. Write this down. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You say, that sounds really self-helpy and mind control. It is, and it's true. What you consume or allow your mind to be consumed by what you allow your mind to be consumed by will truly consume your life and come out in your actions, in your deeds. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter 10. The apostle Paul talks there in this passage. He's telling them essentially, uh, he's talking about his ministry and there are people who are attempting to weave false doctrine into the ministry of the gospel, the the tapestry, if you will, of what he's tried to create. And they're, they're at war, at odds. Verse three, he says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. I want you to understand what a stronghold is. The word seems like it's pretty simple enough to understand. But it would be a prison. uh, It would be a, a tower, a fortified tower prison somewhere on the battlefield. Either in the edge of the city or it could be inside of the city. And this is where they would put people. It was meant as a prison to keep them in bondage. And he uses the same word and he says they have divine, the weapons of our warfare have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse five says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God. In other words, he's taking issue with those who are trying to put in false doctrine in the church, and he's saying, listen, we're we're gonna capture those thoughts, we're gonna stop those thoughts, we're gonna take them captive. And he says this, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Another version says, I will make every one of my thoughts Obey Christ. That's good. Amen. If you do that, if you can win the war in your mind, you will be living a better life than ever before. So in chapter 10, verse 5 that we just read, you need to understand that the prisoners that were in there were not just shoved into a cell. They, were, they would have been bound hand and foot and chained into a wall. That's what a stronghold really was meant for. And they would have been, listen to me, turned over to a new authority. They came from the battlefield because they got captured. They were brought in there to the stronghold. And then that new government or the conquering king would then decide what to do with them. That's exactly what God is trying to communicate to us today, that we have got to have all of those strongholds destroyed that the enemy has built, that we've allowed him to build in our minds. We have got to get rid of the lies that we've told ourselves or we've believed about ourselves. We have got to understand that God is for us and he's wanting our mind to be redeemed. Your soul is redeemed and going to heaven if you are a believer but your mind is going to take a whole lot more work, right? I mean, that's really, that's the truth of God's word. So the truth of this applies to our personal lives as well, that we ought to take every thought captive that doesn't please the Lord. I told you a couple weeks ago, a funny story about Brighton. She said, well, daddy, I just, I can't help it. I feel this way. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. (laughs) You can help it. Change the way you feel. Well, how do I do that? Well, then I started talking her through this specific situation, and what she needed was contentment. She was disgruntled and discontent and even tempted to be angry at God, who we talk about in our house all the time. We're praying that God will provide. We're praying that God will this. We're praying that God will heal. We're praying that And so she had this temptation to be upset and angry with God. And I had to lead her to the place of saying, wait a second, but you need contentment in your heart to be happy and to be satisfied with what God has already given you. And stop thinking about the other things. You have the power to control your mind and you should use it. Don't you wish you had the power to control somebody else's mind? Well, while we're so busy wishing that that would work, it doesn't work. But some so often we give up on controlling our own mind. There's a popular passage in the Bible, and it's one of the ones that you probably know. We'll have it on the screen. Ephesians chapter six. I want to read to you in light of what we've already talked about. I want to read to you what Paul says to the believers there in the church at Ephesus in that city. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose might? Your own might? No, his might. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Here it is again in a different way. He's communicating the same truth. We don't fight against our boss, against our spouse, against our kids, against our... But we are fighting against spiritual powers, rulers and authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. It says, and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, fasten on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on shoes for your feet, the readiness of the gospel. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish, extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And he says something very inspiring here. There's a piece of the armor that many of us are missing, and that would be the helmet. He says that the helmet of salvation. What is he talking about? He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why is there a connection between the helmet of on the head and a sword in the hand? Because both of those protect you. They protect you. One is offensive and one is defensive, granted, but the helmet of salvation will help your mind. It will keep you. I love that verse in scripture. I can't remember the reference. He will keep those whose mind is stayed on him in perfect peace. The sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon that we have. And it says it's the word of God. So verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with the prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making prayer or supplication for all the saints. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You have got to choose to renew your mind. The renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what's the best way to renew your mind? Obviously, it's to put God's word inside of it. Worship team, would you come? At the end of our services, we have a, an encore, a time just of one additional song and we give you an opportunity to just connect with the Lord about the message. Maybe you came in today and you're hurting. Something else is going on. Maybe you need physical healing in your life. Maybe there's an issue with finance or a job situation, a coworker, whatever that might be. The Lord wants to meet you here today but he also wants to encourage you, I believe through this whole series, the idea of changing your thinking so that your life can be changed as a result. So don't be conformed to this world, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This might surprise you, but contrary to popular opinion, psychologists actually do say that you can teach an old dog a new trick. I think for the longest time, we've given in to the cop-out of, well, you can't teach an old dog a new trick. Or like the lady on the video, well, I've been doing this since childhood. What do I do now? How do I undo this and start doing something else? There's this, there's this moment that the enemy would love to keep you captive in right. your mind right. and keep you stuck Where you are rather than letting you experience the truth of God's word and his desire for you. So I want to ask you to stand with me today. I want you to consider this this big thought, which is for each individual person in this room, it's probably going to be completely unique and different. The question is, what is your number one stronghold? As I've preached through this message, I've laid out God's word. I've said to you, this is what it says. This is what we are to do. But what is the stronghold in your mind that is affecting your life? Think about that this morning and cry out to God for freedom. Ask him and say, Lord, I am struggling with depression or depressing thoughts. Lord, I am struggling with the the idea that you can take care of me. I think you have before, but it sure doesn't look like you are now. Lord, I'm single and I need a spouse. I've been desiring this and I don't know what to do. Lord, when are you gonna do this? God, my marriage needs help and I don't feel the help coming. So Lord, I'm stuck in this place. Whatever it is, fill in the blank with that as you talk to the Lord today. I wanna challenge you this week to be self-aware. You can't do this on your own. I'm here to tell you, you need two things. Many of you are missing these two things. And I can say that with confidence because I've known seasons of my life where I've missed these two things. They are either the word of God or the Holy Spirit or both. You're missing time with Jesus. And that's what's causing some of the stuff in your head. That's not all of it to blame. I'm still telling you, you need a counselor. You need medicine. You need a doctor. I understand. But I'm telling you, some of the freedom that you want to experience could be had if you spent more time with God's word. Secondarily, with the Holy Spirit. And you say, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, helped me get saved. And he's with me. And I know I've got him. There's another experience that he wants to give you that's different than all the rest. It's secondary to that. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself wants to see every believer baptized in the Holy Spirit. For a long time, it's gotten a bad rap. But I'm here to tell you, it is the most important thing a believer can have or can miss is being baptized in the Holy Spirit because he wants to be the partner that lives inside of you and guides you every step of the way. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son through whom we have redemption and we have your grace poured out upon us. Lord, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but Lord, there are those here that need more. And God, I pray that you would baptize every believer that hears this message. I pray that every struggle and every stronghold today that gets mentioned in these prayers in this next moment, I pray by the name of Jesus Christ that freedom would come, that strongholds would be destroyed by the dynamic dynamite power that comes only from you. Lord, help us to be convinced that there's a process and that this is going to be a battle, but you are the greatest conqueror and you've never seen defeat father i pray that faith would rise up in every heart that's tempted to distrust you and and be depressed or to sink down into despair i pray that you would help us lord god i pray that in jesus name today you would help us to think about what we think about and to turn those things over to you in jesus name i pray